Praise God, praise God. Well, first, I just want to say what an honor and a joy it is to be here with you this morning. And, and uh, man, I'm just uh, excited to see what God has for you. Uh, as you can tell already, I, I'm not a teacher, I'm a preacher. <laughs> Growing up, my, my dad, uh, God gave him an assignment to raise me up as a man of God, to teach me the Word of God, and he said uh, to call me a mighty man of God and preacher. So I heard that all the days of my life growing up, and it's just kind of, uh, it's stuck. Amen. So um, you're not that cool when your dad's yelling at you down the street, Dustin, mighty man of God, preacher, come home. You know, everybody's like, <laughs> and that's a kind of weird middle name. But anyways, I want to thank Pastor David and uh, Dara uh, for having me in and, and inviting me. It's just an honor and a privilege. I, I hold this uh, position in high esteem. Uh, you know, I grew up in church. Uh, my dad's a pastor, and I've been a youth pastor, a college pastor. I've been a janitor. Um, I've been, you know, I've done children's ministry. My dad was a children's pastor, so um, I've done a lot of church uh, things, and so I understand the value of what this holds. And so, um, you know, I say this all the time. It's funny and it's true that a guest minister can do a lot of good. But he also can do a lot of bad. <laughs> and so I understand standing here that it is a, is a high honor. So I thank you both uh, for inviting me and allowing me to come and, and fill your Sunday uh, and, and trusting me to do that. Uh, my wife and family, gentlemen, if you have that picture, uh, the first one, hopefully it's the, the one that looks right. There we go. This is my family right here. So I'll start with my beautiful wife. She greets you. Uh, we've been married uh, 12 years and uh, we're just uh, enjoying enjoying life. We actually were married for eight years before we even began thinking about kids. We didn't want to have kids. Uh, we wanted to live the dream. You know what I'm saying? Go where you want, do what you want. And uh, then we decided to have kids. And now all we do is dream, dream of being alone, dream of having sleep. You know what I'm saying? My brother, he has four kids. And I asked him one day, I said, what's it like having four kids? He said, well, Dustin, imagine yourself drowning. And then someone hands you a baby, you know, it's like, so no, I'm just kidding. That's bad. But that's, uh, so anyways, but that's, that's, this is, uh, this is my family. So big guy in the middle there, his name's Ezra Mack. And, uh, he obviously took after Mandy's side of the family. All the guys on her side are big dudes. And, uh, he, he came out 10, seven, he's over 35 pounds already. And he's just, uh, he, Manny told me this morning he had, uh, what do he have? He had two bananas and I mean, he just, he just eats like, they're, you know, it's going out of style. So anyways, that's my, that's my big champion right there. And then that's uh, Brooklyn Joy and my little baby girl. And so she's uh, two months old, as Pastor David said. So we're just, we're having a blast and uh, just anyways, that's my family. So this is, that's the Instagram picture. Gentlemen, show them the next one. Here's real life. Hello. So, uh, yeah, you know, I was like, hi. You only have me on no Facebook and Instagram. You only see the good stuff, right? People are actually going through some things. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. You can take it down. No. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, uh, if you have your Bibles, we'll get into the word this morning. Uh, turn, if you will. I'm going to talk about my main subject in its simplicity is righteousness. Um, just in preparation for these services, um, one of the things that God uses us in in our ministry is uh, comes out of uh, Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 and 5. It says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned or the instructed that I may have a word in season to them that are weary. And so, you know, in life as believers, we become spiritually fatigued. 
the devil is doing his job, which is to come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so you and I are in a constant state of believing God's word and holding up a resistance or what Jesus has accomplished for us against the works of the enemy. And a lot of times uh, when we're doing that, it, after a while, you get blow after blow after blow. You, you, you can become fatigued. How many of y'all know, I, I, I did a lot of boxing growing up. I like boxing. I, I, I did boxing. I, I trained and, and uh, taught my roommates in college how to fight. And uh, we, had, we rented a house and I felt guy, bad for the guy that owned it. There was holes in the wall, blood on the carpet. It was like, it was a bad deal. But, you know, my coach always used to tell me when we were training that fatigueness will make a coward out of anyone. I think Coach Lombardi actually said that, but he used to say it to us all the time. Fatigueness or becoming tired will make you a coward. And so if you're becoming a coward, what does that mean? You doubt your ability to win the fight. And so the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25, it says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word will make it glad. And so you and I, or what I'm called to do, what my, the, the mission that God has given my wife and I, is to go about uh, with a word in season to them that are weary. Maybe you find yourself, you are saved, God has redeemed you, God has delivered you, but you find yourself questioning or doubting, and when you doubt, what happens? You retreat. You'll back up. But when there's confidence, what do you do? You draw forward. And so with a word in season, uh, uh, giving people a good word, we go around saying this, we make, we're making hearts glad with a good word. Amen. And so that's kind of our mission. That's what we believe that God's called us to do is to bring confidence, victory, uh, to reestablish uh, people's understanding of who they are in Christ. Because God has destined you, not to be cliche-ish, but God has destined you to reign and to live in victory. See, religion would want you to think that you're supposed to live down here defeated and kind of always going through the muck and the mire. But one day, come on everybody, one day, when we all get to heaven, listen, I'm not going to wait till I get to heaven to obtain what Christ has given to me now. God, listen, there is no Satan in heaven. He's not going to be there. So there's not going to be any opposition to your faith. So what God has given us through Christ is for the here and the now. So God wants you to live and reign in victory and triumph. That's what uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven says, that God, through Jesus Christ, always gives us victory. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 2, was it, uh, 14 says, He's always causing you to triumph. So we have to renew our mind to the Word of God, getting a word in season that causes us not to doubt who we are, but by faith in Christ, rise to the occasion and then obtain, appropriate everything that God has for us. It's going to happen, though, how? By faith. You're going to have to get up in, every day. And we're going to, I'm going to show you some things today uh, that, that you get up and you make a decision by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God to live in the full supply of what God has given to you. Because if you're not careful, listen, everybody is going to try to talk you out of what you've been given in Christ. They want to talk you out of it. They want to try to remove it from you and try to get you to. I, I say this. Um, one of the things that God has also told us to do. And uh, I'm just I'm just kind of we're just floating right now. We'll land here in a minute. You're like, what's your message, brother? Uh, <clears throat> but uh, uh, one of the things God spoke to us about our traveling ministry is to break the mindset of religion. To break the mindset of religion. So in that conversation with God, I said, Father, what is religion? And he said, Dustin, religion is wanting results without intimacy. 
wanting results without intimacy. If you go back to the Old Testament, if you remember the children of Israel, when God came down on the mountain, there was fire, there was smoke. I mean, it, I mean, the mountain could not contain the presence of God. And the Bible says that the children of Israel drew back... And they told Moses, you go see what God's saying. You go talk to God, then you come back and talk to us. And a lot of times in religion, that's what the church is doing. They're wanting someone else to go and talk to God and then come tell them what God's telling them. Instead of you and I having an individual, personal relationship by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, finding out who God is and then obtaining the fullness of what He has for your life. So you have to break that thought because here's what religion, here's what religion uh, will do to you. One, it'll get you to completely, uh, it'll get you to completely deny what God has given to you. Or secondly, it'll get you to live below the fullness of what God has given to you. For example, uh, is this okay? We're we doing all right. Okay. So, uh, so, so for instance, uh, like healing, religion will try to get you to say that healing is not for today. That the healing is not yours. Based upon what? The word of God? No, most of the time it's based upon someone's experience. The reason why you're not going to get healed is because I knew so-and-so, they were believing God and it didn't work for them. But see, we don't base our beliefs on somebody's experience. We base our beliefs upon the written word of God, the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living word of God. So I'm not going off of what happened in your life. I'm going off of what God said would happen in my life if I would believe the word of God. So, again, religion will try to get you to believe that it's not for you today, whatever the topic may be. Or if he can't deny deny you, say, no, I'm sorry, you know, I believe in healing. But then he'll get you to believe, well, uh, okay, you believe in healing, but healing doesn't come all the time. And it doesn't come to everyone. It's as though you're standing, that God's standing in heaven and he's spinning the wheel and he's saying, uh, you know, it says it alternates healing, uh, not healed, healing, not healed, healing, not healed. And he's spinning the wheel and he goes, come on, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Today may be your day. We'll see where it lands right here. Oh, so close. You didn't get it. Maybe next time you'll get your healing. Ha <laughs> next. That's not how it works. It works every single time that you place your faith in God, understanding the redemptive work of Christ, that healing is not something that you're trying to receive necessarily through a work. It's received by faith in what God has already accomplished through Christ. It's yours now. So religion will want you to try to not obtain that full supply of what Christ has given to you. So that's what it is, is breaking that mindset, breaking the thought and and, uh, that the world or religion tries to hold you back. Because if the devil can't stop you from getting saved, you're saved, you're going to heaven, then he'll try to get you to live below the fullness. I keep saying that because I want you to get that. The fullness of what Christ purchased for you. How many of y'all know God's got more for you? God's got more for you. We're constantly pursuing, we're constantly desiring. The Bible says, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be, will be filled. But if you're going to eat, you got to pull up to the table. You got to pull up and you got to partake of what's being presented because God is the initiator. God is the one that has presented the table, but you and I are the ones that receive or respond to what he's initiated. Amen. Glory to God. That's the second message. Here we go. Second Corinthians chapter five. Hallelujah. Man. Second Corinthians chapter five. You guys know these scriptures, but I want you to I want to solidify some things in your heart this morning. Second Corinthians chapter five. Look at verse 21. It says, for he made him who knew no sin 
speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become, or better translated, be made the righteousness of God, where? In Him. That we might become or be made righteous or the righteousness of God in Him. Look at Psalms 92 verse 15. I use a lot of scriptures if you haven't told us seen already. So, uh, you know, statistically speaking, people that take notes are more likely not to go to hell. So if you're a note taker, uh, that's a joke. That's a joke. All right. Hallelujah. Is that truth, pastor? Okay. Hallelujah. It seems real, though. All right, here we go. Psalms 92. Look at verse 15. (laughs) Psalms 92. Look at verse 15. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. Watch this. And there is no what? Unrighteousness where? In him. So you have to come to the place where you understand your position. Because, see, everything is going to try to get you to see yourself in proximity or closeness to God in your relationship based on what you do. Because, see, the devil is the, what? He's the condemner of the brethren. Anytime you mess up, you slip, you said something you shouldn't have done, you did something you shouldn't have done, you talked at your wife like you shouldn't have done, what happens? Instantly, the devil comes to do what? He comes to condemn you and try to make you feel as though you're inadequate and that, man, you've really messed up. If you meditate on that long enough and you begin to focus on self and who you are apart from Christ, you'll begin to feel unrighteous. And when you feel unrighteous or you're aware of the sin nature, it doesn't cause you to run to God. It runs you to, causes you to do what? Run from God. I mean, we see this in Genesis chapter 3 when, when uh, Adam fell from glory. He sinned in the garden. What was his response? He became aware of self. Selfishness and sin go hand in hand. Every time there's an awareness of yourself, it, there's, there's sin involved. There's some kind of, of uh, selfish awareness involved. Because when you understand who you are in Christ, you'll completely abandon self-awareness. Because you understand how much God loves you. And you understand because of the love of God, Jesus was sent. And because Jesus was sent, he became sin, dealt with the sin issue and became uh, and became sin so that you might be made what the righteousness of God or be in right standing with the Father. E.W. Kenyon said this. I, I love this quote out of uh, the book of Two Kinds of Righteousness. He said, "Righteousness is a masterful thing. Righteousness is a masterful thing." God said it to me this way. He said, "Dustin, righteousness is not a subject; it's a position." See, we study things from the Bible in in topic form, but we have to get to the place where it's not just a topic. It becomes a reality of what we live every single day. We walk out the door with a revelation. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The devil wants to come and bring condemnation to you and say, yeah, you, you, you may have been righteous, but you messed up. You did this. You did that. And that awareness will cause you to go, you're right. I can't go to church. Everybody will know. And what happens? You begin to slip and that that sin awareness will erode and cause you to fall back to where now you you love God. You you, you once had a passion for God, but the devil brought condemnation because of condemnation. You've retreated just like Adam. God came in the garden and said, where are you? 
He said, I heard your voice, your presence, and I hid myself. See, when you're sin aware, it'll cause you to run from God. When you're righteousness aware, you'll run to God. Let me, let me just interject this real quick in here is that, you know, there's some preaching and some guys that don't, you know, they don't like the idea of repentance. Well, repentance is a work. You don't have to repent. I mean, you're, you're already, you're the righteous of God. You don't have to repent. And I was studying this a while back and God, God brought this to my attention. I thought it was so good. He said, Dustin, righteousness, I'm sorry, repentance is a revelation of righteousness. When you get a revelation of your righteousness, I'm going to show you this here in a minute, how that actually is true. But when you get a revelation of who you are in Christ, what God has done in you through him, because in him there is no unrighteousness. And where do you live? In him. You stand in the presence of God, not boasting on, well, man, I did everything right. My shirt's iron, man. I don't spit, cuss, or chew or go with girls that do. I mean, I'm awesome. And God's like, yeah, you're the best. High five. Welcome to heaven. Chest bump. Woo. It ain't going to happen. You're going to stand there because of what you are and what you've done by receiving Jesus Christ and what he did for you. God doesn't look at you. Stay with me. God doesn't look at you through the eyes of your works and your accomplishments. He looks at you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And when you stand there and you say, Father, God, I love you. I've received Jesus's forgiveness. God embraces you again, not because of who you are, but because of who you are in Christ. That revelation will cause you to run to him. So repentance is a revelation of righteousness. Because what happens is, is that as, now I'm going to show you this, but as the, I'm just jumping ahead. As God reveals your character or who you are in him, it'll cause you to say, that's not who I am anymore. Because see, God, God won't condemn you, but by the Holy Spirit, he will convict you. You'll let something slip out of your mouth or an action or a deed. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, right? What in the world? You know, well, that's just me. But anyway, uh, it's called a turn signal. But um, you'll let something, all the devil comes, whatever. I'm making light of, of, the, of the condemnation or what your action was. But you, we all know things that we're dealing with. So the devil will come and try to bring that condemnation. But see, God doesn't bring condemnation. He brings conviction. What is that? He's holding up the image of Christ in front of you. You're seeing that image, that righteousness that you have become in him. And what happens is it's through that image that is revealed or that revelation of righteousness in you. It causes you to say, that's not who I am. Righteousness doesn't talk that way. Righteousness doesn't act that way. Righteousness doesn't behave that way. And because I'm getting the revelation of righteousness, I'm going to repent. And listen, when you repent, that's not when God found out about your sin. God's not up there and you're like, Father God, I've slipped. What? Hold on. Stop the bus, man. This guy messed up. What are we going to do? That's not when he found out about it. Watch this though. When you repent is when that thing loses its grip and its hold in your life. Because when you don't repent, what you're saying is, I'm just going to kind of guard this thing, coddle this thing. I'm going to let the devil beat me up about it. But we're just going to stay there. And what happens? It begins to fester. It begins to grow. And it'll begin to control your life. But when you get a revelation of righteousness and you begin to speak that and declare that and run to God and you say, Father God, man, I messed up again. He doesn't go, yeah, I've been keeping count. That's 27, brother. When are you going to get it together? No, what's he do? He embraces you. I 
love you. And any time that you have proximity or closeness to God, whatever it is that you're dealing with will be destroyed and eliminated in his presence. The devil knows that. That's why he don't want you coming to church. He doesn't want you praying. He don't want you spending time. Why? Because if you get close to him, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll completely eliminate whatever it is that you're dealing with. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his right hand, mercies evermore. Mercy, real quick. Mercy is God's unsatisfied desire to help you. It's God's unsatisfied desire to help you. He's constantly in a place of saying that. Again, religion is trying to get you to think that God's against you. God is not against you. He's for you. And he's constantly looking for ways to help you, support you, and move you up to what you have been given in Christ. So we've been made the righteousness of God. Uh, Righteousness is a masterful thing. And watch this. When lived in, when lived in your righteous nature. You're righteous, but what we need to begin, I'm going to show you, to live in what we've become. We need to take advantage of what God's given us. And when you live in your righteous nature, one will live and reign in life. It's a byproduct. You can't, you, can't, uh, you can't become aware of righteousness and what God's done for you and not begin to live in a state of dominance. Why? I Like E.W. Kenyon said, righteousness is a masterful thing. What is it? Righteousness is the awareness of your right standing or your sonship, ladies, your daughtership, of your connection with the Father. That's my Abba Daddy. That's my Father. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, seeing God distant. I'm, you know, my little boy Ezra, um, my office that where we study and prayer and, and, you know, and do work for the ministry and all that is in, the, in our garage, in our home. And uh, so Ezra, man, he'll, he'll just come be bopping in there at any time he wants, you know. Mom will be doing something with our daughter, Brooklyn, or whatever, and somehow he'll get away. He's not supposed to come in. You know, Dad's working, you know. But he'll come in there, Dad, Dad, you know, and he just kind of runs in there. Listen, I, I've never, and I don't ever see myself doing this, go, what are you doing here? Can't you sit good? I, if I'm on the phone, if I'm studying, whatever I'm doing, I stop. I can't help myself. Come here, buddy. Come here. I sit him on my lap, let him play on the keyboard for a minute. I'm just, I, it instantly brings joy to my heart. Instantly. Why? That's my little boy. See, that's the attitude that you and I ought to have. That's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews that we come boldly to the throne room. We got an open door policy. We come in. Why? Not because of who we are, but because of our right standing with the Father. Because of what He's done in us. And because we approach Him, we begin to live and reign in life. We begin to live in victory. Turn to Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 16. Y'all still glad you came this morning? All right, good deal. Look at Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 16. It says this, Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. Justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9 says this, In short, you are God's field. He's talking about Paul and Silas. He says one, one sows, the other waters, but God gives the increase. And then he goes on to say that you are God's field. You are the field in which God sows his word so that it can produce a result in your life. 
God shows His character and His purpose and His will by sowing His Word or the seed of God by His Word and by His Spirit. You are righteous in Him. But it must be instructed and revealed and then by faith lived in. So what I want you to see is this, is that you are the righteousness of God. It's done deal. It's finished. You can't grow in righteousness. That's not something that develops in you. You can't become, I'm, I'm a little bit more righteous today than I was yesterday. Man, I'm really getting there. Woo-hoo! All right. No, you are finished, complete, all done, packaged, delivered, righteous, the righteousness of God. That's who you are. That's what you have. But a lot of times what we're not understanding is, if I am righteous, why don't I respond or act righteous? And the reason is, is because righteousness, although that you are righteous, it's a gift. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, it's a gift from God. <laughs> I, was, uh, <clears throat> I was in Walmart. Uh, there in New Braunfels, I'm standing there. This just just beautiful uh, elderly lady was standing there, and her and her card wasn't working. She's just sitting there, you know. And she tried it. You know how they do. Try it again. Try it again. Try it again. She's like, "Oh, this is my niece's card. I don't know why it's not working." You could just see she's kind of embarrassed. You know how it is. It's like you know you got money, but because the cards don't work, everybody's like, "Oh, they're you know they're bankrupt," <laughs> you know. But anyway, so they're you know how it is. So you're working the card, and everybody, you know, I was like, hey, "She's embarrassed." She's like, "Here's well, I'm just can you can you hold my items? I'm going to run home, grab my money, I'll come right back." Well, I'm standing there, man, and you know what the Holy Ghost is doing? Pay for it. Pay for it. And I'm standing there like, ah, oh, do I, don't I? It's like, why do we negotiate? We, it's, we know the Holy Ghost is speaking. It's like, just do it. So I'm standing there and, uh, and then all of a sudden she decides, you know, she, she gets done. The lady's about to ring me up. And she walks over and I'm like, I mean, it's right. And all of a sudden I said, oh, just, can I pay for her stuff? Just ring it up with mine. I'm going to go get her. Just ring it up. I'll pay for it. Of course, the lady behind me, they always act like they've never seen this before. They're like, what? You know, it's like, why would you do that? You know, so I turned to go to her. Well, she's coming back because she wanted to give the lady her name and number just in case they need to call her. I mean, just the sweetest lady. Miss Nancy was her name. And then the lady tells her, she says, this gentleman's going to pay for your stuff. Well, she just begins to cry, you know, just just begins to weep. And and so um, and so I pay for it. And it was funny because the, the, the price was, you know, it wasn't high, but it, it was more than just 10 bucks, you know. And so the lady was like, that's how much it is. I'm like, okay, pay for it. You know, I was like, I'm not going to like renegotiate. Oh, whoa, too much. You know, I was like, so you sure you don't have 10 bucks on you? You know, <laughs> so and, and so I'm walking away with Miss Nancy. Now, here's she's so sweet. She's so kind. She I'm just I got my arm on her, you know, on her back. And I'm just like, you know, hey, and she's like, oh, thank you so much. And she goes, I need your name and number so that I can pay you back. I looked at Miss Nancy and said, Miss Nancy, that kind of defeat the purpose, wouldn't it? It's like I, I did this not to get back because I wanted to give it to you. I wanted to bless you. Of course, I took the opportunity to witness her. I said, Miss Nancy, if you died today, do you know where you spend eternity? That used to be a popular thing to do. I think it kind of freaks people out now. Like, is this the end? You know, like, am I going to die? You know, are you a terrorist? You know, so I could see her eyes kind of got big. And and I said, Miss Nancy, here's what I want you to know. I said, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And she, oh, she got a big smile on her face. Her response was awesome. She goes, oh, I do. I do. I love Jesus. She said, every morning I get up, I watch TBN or, you know, one of those Christian networks. And she goes, and I eat my prunes. I was like, well, all right. Hallelujah. (laughs) She's spiritually fed and regular. I mean, you can't go wrong. Hallelujah. (laughs) But here's what I want you to see with the stories. God has given you the gift of righteousness. 
And too many times we're like Miss Nancy, we're trying to say, God, can I pay you back? And God goes, it'll defeat the purpose. You can't pay back what God is saying. It's a free gift. You just receive it. Take it. It's yours. Begin to live in it. But here's the thing. Once you are what God has given you through Christ, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Let me show you some verses. 2 Timothy. Because what happens is, is we slip up and then we feel like, well, if I slipped up, I must not be righteous. Maybe I'm not who God says that I am. But how many of y'all know if God says it, uh, you know, uh, uh, Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. So we have to have this confidence in God that God is not a man that he should lie. He will not lie to you. If he gave it to you, it's yours. But what we need is what Second Second Timothy, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, All Scripture, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God or is God-breathed and is profitable for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for what? Instruction in righteousness. The margin of my Bible says it's for training and discipline. So you are righteous. You can't get any more righteous. You are righteous. It's a gift from God. But the word of God is given to us to instruct you on who you are in him. It's to discipline you. It's to train you. Because training will produce the, the desired result. It's discipline. It's, it's, uh, it's diligence. You know, when I, when I box, you know... Uh, I was going to say this earlier too, but the Lord brought it back around, so I'll say it now. So when I box and you get in the ring, a lot of Christians are defeated in life just because they don't show up to the fight. You already won in him. It, it's done. You're the champion. All you got to do is show up. The referee, you stand in the ring, devil standing over there lying and throwing all his smoke and all of his, you know, false information. And the, and the guy just looks at him and goes, whatever. Lifts your hand, go, winner, winner. You know, it's like done. You walk out, well, that was fun. Get out of the ring. Most Christians are defeated in life. Why? Because they just never show up. You already won. You're already the victorious one through Jesus Christ. But see, the thing is, is simply this, is that we have to make the word of God and in time and fellowship with God a, a, a demand or a priority in our lives. Why? Because it'll instruct you. It'll bring that training, that instruction, that ability to live out what you've been created in him. Because what, what happens is as you meditate and get into the word of God, which, what you once dealt with, what once tripped you up will become something that you look at and go, why did that ever bother me? How did that ever get a hold of me? How did that ever have an effect in my life? Why? Is it because God's power and anointing has become heavier and greater in your life? No. What happens? You've become instructed, disciplined, and trained in your new nature as a born-again believer. And that new, that training, that instruction by the Spirit of God through the Word of God enables you now to walk out who you are in Him. I was talking to a pastor one time and they're planting a church and, you know, getting after it and stuff. And I was talking about what God had showed me in prayer and scripture. He goes, man, I wish I had time to, you know, to sit around and read the Bible. And I thought he made it like it was a, a luxury, you know, like I had nothing going on. Like I just sit around and read the Bible all day. Like, you know, 
I'm just a traveling itinerant. I don't do nothing but just glow in the dark, you know. Hallelujah. You know, you're not building the church like I am. And I was thinking, man, how sad that he actually believed that spending time with God was a luxury. Listen, if you don't spend time with God, you won't have a church. You won't have what God has called you to do. It, it has to become a reality where you are spending time with him and he's speaking to you and guiding you and leading you into all truth. Let me show you some more scriptures. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. You guys know these verses. They're well known. But in light of what we're talking about, I believe it brings some new revelation. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation. You know, every time I read that, I've always seen like Paul, you know, like I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Like the idea that he's standing up on a table, like, you know, an evangelist in the lunchroom counter. Like, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here today to tell you. I was like, wow, he's not ashamed. He's bold. That's not the idea that Paul's wanting us to see here. Paul is saying here, I'm not ashamed of what the gospel of Christ will produce in your life. I'm not ashamed that one day it works and one day it doesn't work. I am confident that what is preached will produce every single time. Can y'all see that? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the, for the Greek, verse 17, for in it, in what? The preaching of the gospel. Righteousness, the righteousness of God is what? Revealed. From faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. Righteousness is something that must be instructed and it is something that must be revealed. And that's why I said repentance is a revelation or a revealing of righteousness. It is something that has come to light. That, Like I prayed earlier in Psalms 119, it says the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. When there's a revelation of the word of God, it will bring understanding to what you have become and obtained through Christ. So that now that you know, you can act and do what God has made you to be. Can you see that this morning? So Isaiah chapter 32, let's turn back there and we'll wrap this up. John Osteen said the short-winded shall be heard again. So we're going to do our best this morning. (laughs) Amen. That and the head can only take what the butt can handle. You know what I mean? Can we just be real? Amen. All right. Is that too much? Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 32. Did he say that? Okay. Isaiah... Amen, amen. You're laughing because it's true. Here we go. Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 17. Listen to these verses and we're going to wrap up with this. The work of righteousness, what you've become and who you are in Christ, because in him there is no unrighteousness. You're spending time with him. You're in his word, being led by the the spirit of truth. Some things I didn't get into, but uh, the, the spirit of God revealing to you, instructing you in your Right standing. And when that is awakened on the inside of you by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, the righteousness or the work or the effect of righteousness will be peace. That's not just peace of mind, although that's included. That is the peace that says there is no enmity or distance or separation between you and God. It says this, and that God, listen to this, so simple and yet it's so true. God is not mad at you. He's not mad at you. The devil wants you to think you messed up and God's tit. (laughs) Come on. 
You said something, you did something. You know, I'm just be honest with like myself, me and my wife, you know, we'll have a conversation and there's a disagreement. There's something going on and you have that thing where it's just like, I just need to get away from you. You know what I'm saying? Like you go to that side of the house. I'm going to this and we're going to just kind of think this out. God doesn't work that way. There is no separation. There is no, you go over there, otherwise we're going to get in trouble. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there is no separation. God can't get mad at you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. So the work or the effect of righteousness in you will be peace. I love this verse. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. When, a, when righteousness is awakened in your life, listen to this. When we understand that our righteousness and our right standing with God remains in us through Jesus Christ by the incorruptible word of God, which is the seed of God planted in our lives, we'll begin to operate. Let me find my note where I, I want to read this. I wrote this out. Through meditation of God's word and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we will awake to our rightful position and authority, power and fellowship and sonship in Christ. We'll read again. Through meditation of God's word and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we will be awakened to our rightful position, our authority, our power and our fellowship and sonship in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, Awake to righteousness. Awake to who you are. Allow God to instruct, reveal your position. Why? So that you can just walk around and be like, Woo, I'm cool. No, so that you can begin to operate and live on the level that God has for your life. To where you actually begin to dominate the forces of darkness. When sickness comes in your house, there's something that rises up and says, I'm the righteousness of God. We'll probably get in this tonight, but I'm the righteousness of God. How dare you trespass on Purchased and holy ground. You don't tolerate the works of the devil. You expel them through your authority and the power given to you by Christ. That is the understanding of your righteous nature. I want to finish just this thought right here. Read through the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look how Jesus responded to opposition. Look how he responded to hardship. Nothing ever caught Jesus off guard. Nothing was a surprise to him. Lack? You know, we, we look at stories where like, we just kind of accept the fact it was like, well, that's Jesus. Like, of course he's going to multiply it. I mean, what else would happen? But a, a minister friend of mine one time had a, a service one time and the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And he actually said, tell the people I did those things as a man. He was a man just like you and I, anointed by the Holy Spirit and aware of his right standing with the Father. And when that is awakened on the inside of you, nothing can come against you that doesn't cause that righteousness in you to rise up and say, if there's lack, we're gonna, there will be a supply. If there's sickness, there will be healing. If there's, if there's torment by the, by the devil, there will be deliverance. Whatever there is, that righteousness on the inside of you will bring, uh, deliverance and the rightness of God in your life bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning Father thank you for speaking to us thank you Father that your word this morning has brought instruction has brought revelation 
that the eyes of our understanding have been enlightened, enlightened or flooded with light, that we can know and understand the hope to which you've called us. God, I thank you that you're moving in the hearts of every person here. That God, you're doing what only you can do. God, that you're causing us to rise up to what you've done for us in Christ. 